and welcome to episode 19 of Board Game Blitz, a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to take off all your gear when you come in from a romp in the snow. This week, we're doing the companion episode to our Hot 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 Episode 5, and we're looking at games that are cold, cold, cold. First, we'll talk about a few games that we've played recently, like Rebels Unite, Happy Pigs, and Rex. Then, we'll bundle up and talk about some chilly games. And finally, we examine the etymology of the word analysis. And now, here are your hosts, Ambie, Cassidy, and me, Crystal. We haven't talked about recently played games in a while, so I have a couple to talk about today. I played Rebels Unite and Robinson Crusoe. So, Rebels Unite is a social deduction party game. I got a review copy from Talk Arts Media, and it's published in 2016. It's for 8 to 20 players. I don't normally have that many players, but I was able to play it a couple times over the holidays. And in Rebels Unite, there's four roles, rebels, police, civilians, and spies, and two teams, the rebels and the government. And the rebels are trying to get the civilians to join the rebellion, and it's turn-based. So on your turn, you can meet people, you see the person's card, and they see your card, or you can do a special power. We thought the game was okay. But the power of the civilians was you can switch cards with someone else, which was confusing and made the game a little swingy. So I'm going to be writing a review for the game on the website soon, so keep an eye out for that. And that was Rebels Unite. Also, I got to play Robinson Crusoe recently because we talked about First Martians in the last episode, so we played Robinson Crusoe, which is by Ignacy Trebuchet. And uh, it's spoiler a- alert, I did pre-order pre- First <laughs> nice. Martians. Yeah, my friend pre-ordered it. But yeah, so my friend has Robinson Crusoe, and we played through, we just finished all the base scenarios of oh, nice. the game. We we had lost the last one the last time we played, which was like two years ago, and like we keep wanting to play to finish it, but we like hadn't gotten around to it, and we got to play sometime recently, and we won, and that was exciting. Yay, victory! Yay. <laughs> yeah. Recently at uh, my weekly board game night, somebody brought out the game Happy Pigs, and I looked at this game and said, hey, this looks cute and fun and has tiny little pig things that look adorable, so They're yeah, let's play this. <laughs> and then he was like, yeah, it's not a kid's game. I was like, it says eight and up. I was like, that's a kid's game. And he's like, just wait. <laughs> I said, oh, okay. Um, so <laughs> I really enjoyed Happy Pigs. I'm going to say that up front. Um, I don't get a chance to play a lot of economic games, which is interesting because I like heavy strategy. But that's just one aspect that I just haven't really gotten into, I guess. Um, but in Happy Pigs, you are a farmer of pigs. And you get four actions that you get to choose from. And everybody kind of plays an action face down and reveals at the same time. If multiple people are doing the action, it splits how many of those actions you can take. So each each day is a new card that gets faced up. And you can have 10 trade actions. And if only one person is doing the trade, then they can have 10 actions. But if there's two, then it's split. So five and five. Mm-hmm. The game plays through a year. So you have four seasons, and each season has four cards that you're playing through. And some of the cards have unique scenarios where you can get more in trade, or you can get more when you sell your big fat pigs and stuff like that. 
the caveat to happy pigs is the pigs are not so happy if you have not vaccinated them by the end of a season because they will in fact die and the butcher will not take them you have lost your sad little pigs I lost, I think, two, and I was almost in tears. I was like, (laughs) why am I crying over these little rectangle pigs? (laughs) But if you're looking for, like, a fun intro to an economics game, I really think that this is is a a good choice. It's cute and fun and light enough that I think it's pretty accessible to most players. I'd agree. I got to play Happy Pigs recently for the first time as well, and I, I, I've said before, I'm kind of a fan of Yellow and just about everything they do anyway, and this is another one that I just loved when I played it. I, going a little bit darker and deeper than Happy Pigs, uh, I recently got to play my very first game of Rex, Final Days of an Empire, which is a retheming of the classic board game Dune. Rex was released in 2012 from Fantasy Flight Games and is set in the same universe as Twilight Imperium, but technically does not have anything to do with the game Twilight Imperium, from what I've been told. I have, I'd never played either Dune or Rex, or Twilight Imperium, uh, before I played Rex, and so I was excited to try it out. I'm not going to explain everything in the game, because there's a lot, but I'll try and give you a basic overview. Uh, in Rex, players control different interstellar races, all vying for dominance in a galaxy that's besieged by war. The races are asymmetrical, meaning they all have completely unique battle leaders, abilities, powers, and in some cases, even victory conditions. Uh, During the game, players move around the board, they collect influence, which is the currency in the game, and they battle other players for control of different districts within the city. And they use their, they obtain cards that they get to use in battles. And to win the game, a player has, a single player has to control three of five strongholds on the board at the end of a turn, or fulfill their race's special victory condition. But what makes the game really cool is that players can form alliances with one another, so they can share some of their race's special abilities with their allies, and they can work toward a shared victory. But like, if you want to control strongholds, if you have a two-person alliance, you have to control four out of the five. If you have a three-person alliance, you have to control all five. And I'm the first person to admit that it often takes me a play or two of a complex game to completely grok how it works and feel like I know what I'm doing. And that can sometimes be frustrating. I don't mind losing, but it sucks when you're like three quarters of the way through a game and you it finally clicks, you know. But uh, with Rex, I don't know if my brain just if it worked well or what happened, but I, everything was surprisingly simple to understand, even though there's a lot going on. Um, It took us a little while to get into it, to teach it, but nothing seemed that difficult to understand. The race I controlled was called the Emirates of Hakan. And I know I'm pronouncing that wrong. Somebody don't send an angry email. It's H-A-C-A-N. However, that's pronounced in the Twilight Imperium universe. And my special victory condition was that if no other player had won the game, by the end of turn eight, I won the game. And that is totally what happened. I won the game. (laughs) Uh, I was in an alliance with two players early in the game, and then later shifted to a new alliance with two other players. I controlled a lot of strongholds, so I was kind of in high demand, which was kind of fun. But what's interesting is one of the other races, their special victory condition is that at the beginning of the game, they can predict a player and a round that they think, like, who's going to win and what round they're going to win it in. So if 
that player had chosen me and round eight, then my win would have been stolen by him. Like, there's, it's multi-layered and kind of meta, and re- there's a lot of other cool things about the special win conditions and the race abilities that I can't get into. And I can't really fully judge the balance of the game having only played it once, but it felt very balanced for an asymmetrical game. Obviously, Dune is not beloved for no reason, and this is based on Dune and very similar to it from what I've heard. So I've been told that you almost always, if possible, want to play with the full player count of six, which is not often the case in games. Uh, but that is when all of the races are present and it makes things more balanced because those some of those races benefit from one another in different ways. So I would highly recommend that you check it out I loved it. I want to play it again. Probably not too often because it took us like five hours to play our first game. But that is Rex, Final Days of an Empire. Now, was the five hours including like the teach time or not? Nope. <laughs> we uh, <laughs> we started we, we started teaching around, I think, 6.15 or 6.30 and started playing around 7. And then we finished up at like 1145 so not quite five (laughs) hours but and we're not we're not a crazy slow group but the bidding rounds seemed to take quite a bit of time for us um where you bid on the different cards for the battles so i i don't know if that's completely unique it says it says on board game geek that game game takes 120 minutes that will never be true (laughs) i mean i guess maybe if you're playing with three that's possible but don't play with three play with six (laughs) So it's long, know what you're getting into, but I highly recommend it anyway. So that is Rex. For this week's thematic segment, we are going to talk about games that are related to all things cold or chilly or frozen or any of the above, snowy. I don't know how many different synonyms I can come up with for cold stuff. But we figured since we did the hot, hot, hot theme in episode five, that we would do the opposite and talk about games that are cold. So ladies, what are some of your favorite games that are related to cold in some way? My favorite cold game is Disney Frozen Surprise Slides. (laughs) (laughs) No, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) And everyone just turned off the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Listenership plummets. <laughs> Breaking news, Board Game Blitz, no longer a good podcast. <laughs> no, but there's a really cool dexterity game that came out this year called Ice Cool. I think we've oh mentioned gosh, it on yeah. the podcast before. Yeah. but I think I talked about how I wanted to play it, maybe. Oh, okay. I want to play I, it. I definitely I have play now it. played it. So <laughs> Yeah, so you're like these little penguins trying to escape the penguin hall monitor at a school. And the penguins are weighted on the bottom and round. And so you flick them and they like go in weird directions. You can spin them and you can make them jump. So it's really cool. I, it was funny. I saw online <laughs> like, the, uh, the double meaning of the name like hit me instantly. Uh-huh. So I didn't realize that like other people weren't catching that it's... High school, ice cool, like, and so when somebody was like, "What?" I was like, "Really?" Like, I thought that was obvious, but I guess maybe not. Blown. Yeah, right. Another game that's related to cold that we've also, I believe, discussed on the podcast before would be Snow Tales. I have said before that I'm not a huge fan of most racing games, but I love Snow Tales. It is a lot of fun. It's a dog sledding game. 
where you have to control both your speed and your direction by playing cards, and it's a lot of fun. So of the racing games that I've played, it's definitely one of my favorites. I think I've only ever played one racing game, but we won't discuss that right now. We'll save that for a later date. <laughs> I like the tease. I surprisingly don't have a favorite cold game. <laughs> I was looking at my <laughs> shelf trying to figure out if I even owned any game with anything related to that, and I just don't. I've played Dead of Winter and Arctic Scavengers were the closest things I've got to being cold, I guess, in Dead of Winter. <laughs> Is only cold because it's called Dead of Winter? I completely Ampy, forgot about Dead of Winter. You and I, Ampy and I, so we're on, we're Skyping on video, obviously. Ambie and I both had the exact same look on our face of how did we not put Dead of Winter on the list? Well, like, so Dead of Winter, like the theme itself, like when you're playing the game, you don't feel like you're playing a game that's cold, right? Like it's just the title that's cold. Like you're fighting zombies. It's a zombie game, not a cold game, right? That's the way I... I don't know. I um so I don't necessarily think this would be a fun idea, but I would actually be curious to like play something like Dead of Winter like in like a walk-in refrigerator or something like you know what? like actually No, like what is I know that <laughs> like wouldn't well but no like I cuz you know people like to create we've talked about how people use music to create to create the theme ambiance mm-hmm. and I wonder if a, hey, you know what? That might speed some people up in decision making if you are. Oh in a man, it would if they're freezing. Yeah, yeah, when you take your turn, you get to leave for a few seconds. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, I'm not. And uh, for the record, Board Game Blitz does not advocate <laughs> playing games in incredibly cold locations. Yeah, please, 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 please don't. see your doctor. <laughs> don't. We're not medical. We don't give medical advice. Please, but, please do not play Dead of Winter in an ice cooler. <laughs> but really, could could temperature? This is off track. I don't care. Could temperature potentially add to the ambiance of a game? I don't think that's something that many people have probably even considered. And obviously, there's a discomfort level with either hot or cold. Mm-hmm. But could that theoretically add to, or do you think it would only detract from because of the the distraction? Badness? So yeah. I think. It depends on the person, right? So if you really want to get into the theme, then having a cooler temperature might help you get into that. But also, if you're like me and you're freezing all the time, it might just distract you from your actual yeah. objective in the game. Like, all I'm picturing is like, you're like, hey, no, we're going to play Dead of Winter and it's going to be super cold. So everybody bundle up, you know, put on your heavy coat and your gloves your and your hat. Like, I'm thinking, everyone knows in advance. <laughs> I think it would be difficult to move pieces with gloves on, though. Mm-hmm. So well, that would. I don't know. Most of them are standees. You just have to <laughs> clamp on. The cards, just like pinch oh, them cards, like babies pick tough. up things. Cards, cards would be tough. Yeah, I need to grab it in uh, a crossroads card, but I can't can't pick it up. Yeah, well, so. I would love to hear. I mean, obviously, it's a somewhat of a ridiculous idea, but I'd love to hear from our listeners what they think. So in the uh, Board Game Geek Guild uh, for this episode, please feel free to weigh in on whether you think temperature could add to the ambiance of a game experience. Yeah, but please don't actually go play in a cooler. (laughs) Or if you do, we are not responsible for anything that happens. I mean, at the very least, if you, like, in your house, could, like, you could maybe turn the temperature down, like, a few degrees below where it normally is, and maybe just make it a little bit colder. Abby's shaking her head. She's like, My no. house is normally <laughs> at, like, 60 already, so I don't want to get cold. 
Gaming is not about being comfortable, Ayambi. <laughs> but I, but <laughs> another game that is related to our theme that I wanted to give a shout out to, even though I've never seen it in person or played it, is Ice Cube, which most people probably haven't heard of. It is a Milton Bradley game from 1972 that uh, our podcast friends over at Flip the Table reviewed back in episode 90 of theirs. And it is literally a game where each player controls an ice cube. Like it's been put in this specific mold and the ice cubes then are subjected to basic torture throughout the course of the entire game, like salt and a warm shower and a bath (laughs) and a bucket of water uh, throughout the course of the game. And the goal is to get your ice cube to last the longest. And it sounds really dumb. And the flip the table guys went in thinking this is probably going to be really dumb. And they ended up having a blast with it. And I weirdly really want to play it. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> uh, we will we will put a link in our show notes to episode 90 of Flip the Table. If you are not already listening to their podcast, most definitely check them out. They review uh, what they call the cheesy, weird, and obscure games from gaming history. So it's often older games, um, and it's usually ones that most people haven't heard of. And they are also comedic geniuses uh they are so funny they do a battle of wits uh every episode where they compete and the guys are just super witty and hilarious so definitely give flip the table a listen if you have not before and uh if you have a copy of ice cube laying in like maybe your grandparents basement that you are not using please feel free to send it over to me because i desperately want to play this game (laughs) another game that has a cold theme that's kind of funny is igloo pop it's a kids game (laughs) (laughs) i know i know why you said it like that (laughs) it is you you are a yeti and you're hungry and looking for fish sticks so you pick up these igloos and are shaking them to see how many fish sticks are in there it's really like these little igloos and they have beads in them and you're just shaking to see how many there are in there but thematically it's you're a Yeti, and then when you bring it home and open up the igloos, there's little Eskimo children in there instead of <laughs> fish sticks. <laughs> and, and then and then they they uh, roll out and say, wee, that was fun. Let's do it again. What? That's what it says in the instructions. <laughs> oh, my God. I am horrified by this game. <laughs> okay. For the record, though, it is tons of fun because it's like um, there's a real time aspect to it too right Ambi if yeah. I remember correctly like everybody so all the igloos are sitting around and everyone simultaneously picks up igloos and shakes them a little bit and puts them back down and grabs another one and shakes yeah. it and you're like trying to find specific numbers mm-hmm. and all the igloos have a little sticker on the bottom of them that says how many are in it yeah. um, but then you obviously aren't looking at that you're just shaking <laughs> them and it's so funny because like you'll be like oh I'm, I'm certain that there's like two in this one and you'll collect it and then it'll have like seven in it and you're like wait what like <laughs> probably yeah. not that extreme but it's hard to tell the two one is usually easiest to tell yeah the, um, the two is the, easy. yeah the higher numbers are really hard and you're you're betting on what you think it is so these the cards there's a card that says like seven and then if you think your igloo has seven you put it on there but yeah it's pretty <laughs> frantic and a very funny theme <laughs> And a couple of other games that fit the theme are A Few Acres of Snow and K2, which is a game where you're climbing a mountain. I've never, I've never played either one of those, but I've heard good things about both. I'm telling you, I must just not like things that are cold. 
<laughs> and I yeah, mean, I don't, you I don't live like cold, in but... Ohio. <laughs> I... <laughs> See, like I can say I don't like things that are cold, and it makes sense because I moved from the Midwest to Nevada. So, <laughs> yeah, but cold mm. themes can be fun. Yeah, as long as you're not in a freezer while you're playing it. Um, and there's even some kids games, some mass market games that have a chilly theme, like the uh, the classic game uh, Don't Break the Ice, which I think probably a lot of us played when we were little. I, I played uh, so much of it when I was a kid. So much of it. I mean, for a dexterity game, like, it's pretty cool, like, knocking out the little blocks of ice and leaving the rest of them intact. Like, that's kind of interesting. And I'd say... Similarly to other dexterity games, it's nice because it's something approachable for kids, but not mind-numbingly boring for adults. And I didn't throw the numbingly in there on purpose, but now that I've said it, I'm very glad I did. Oh, puns. <laughs> puns for days. All right, so those are some cool... <laughs> those are some cool games that are related to coldness. I didn't... I swear, I'm, I've got them all today. It's just happening. <laughs> Since we're talking all things Frozen this week, I wanted to explore part of the term analysis paralysis, which is the state of overanalyzing or overthinking a situation so that a decision or action is never taken. It happens to a lot of players and can freeze up the action in a game. So let's dive into the etymology of the word analysis. The word analysis originates in the late 16th century via medieval Latin when it meant the resolution of anything complex into simple elements. The opposite of the word analysis is synthesis. So analysis can be traced back through the Greek words analusis and analyin, meaning unloosen or to release or set free. The parts of that word, ana, literally meant up, back, or throughout, and lain meant to unfasten. So up and unfasten gets you lain, which gets us to analysis. So it's literally unfastening the parts by going, by going up through them. So here's hoping that a little more knowledge about the word analysis will help you avoid letting your analysis paralysis uh, take, overtake you during your next game. It does all the time. <laughs> I hate so it. And I'm, it. I'm at least like, I'm super conscious of when that happens to me. And I apologize for it in the moment. But yeah, it's tough. We wanted to give a shout out to all of our recent reviewers through iTunes, which are Wombat, Jason, Andre Dumas, Moore Lamar, and Lou Man. Thanks again for all the uh, positive feedback. And we always appreciate any feedback um, and look forward to hearing from you guys. We seriously, like we got some major warm fuzzies uh, from some of those written reviews you guys did. Obviously rating us is the most important part, like the, on the five star scale. And we, we never solicit reviews from people who don't listen to the podcast. We, all of our, reviews are legit like we're only asking you guys because you guys are listening and those ratings genuinely help our podcast become more visible to other people so it really truly means a lot to us when you guys take the time to navigate the ridiculous podcast app (laughs) to actually leave us a review so thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts thanks (laughs) love you guys you're the best 
And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, BoardGameBlitz.com, to get links to all our social media pages, including our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Board Game Geek Guild. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow. Technical support provided by Toby Mao. Have suggestions for the show or just want to say hi? Shoot us an email at BoardGameBlitz at gmail.com. Until next time, do you want to book a board game? Come on, let's go and play. Bye, everyone. Bye. We haven't played. Uh, we haven't played, <laughs> we haven't played, played any games any recently. Games. <laughs> yeah. And the podcast is canceled. <laughs> Wait, it is. It's, you it's you true. are a yeti shaking these Eskimos to see. You you think there's fish chips in there, and you're trying to like igloos. count how many there are in there. You, you just said you're shaking the Eskimos. Oh, shaking the igloos, right? <laughs> and, but then when you get home, like you open up the Eskimos, and there's little es- or open up the igloos. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, this got very very horrible very fast. <laughs>